Hey everyone, I'm Nate Vinio, and this is Something to Gnaw On, a short podcast for those with a short attention span or just short on time, designed to give you something to mentally and spiritually chew on throughout your day, a Bible study in bite-sized form, if you will. This episode is Controlled Falling. Tuck that nugget away until the end, it'll all come together then. In most episodes, I'm sharing a story that highlights some nugget of biblical truth. And most of the time, I've either lived that story or researched it thoroughly. Today, however, I'm going to pirate a few stories from the early years of ministry of my mom and dad. Mom and dad were married while attending Seattle Bible Training School. Upon graduation, they flew to Alaska with my older brother, who was only weeks old at the time, to take a position at a radio station broadcasting the gospel into Russia. A few years later, they would end up pastoring a little church in a town called Rainier, Oregon, on the Columbia River, just downstream from Portland. This is where I spent the first six years of my life. I have some grand memories of this place. Maybe this is where my affinity for fishing was birthed. But I had no idea at the time what God was actually doing in the church. While I was playing or fishing or breaking windows with my wild pitching arm, God was providing for the church in amazing ways. Here are three stories of many that could be on the highlight reel that showcase God's goodness, His faithfulness, and His provision, which included miraculously providing for one of those windows I broke, but that's a story for another day. From my dad's journal, story number one, cedar or plywood. Building our new sanctuary was going to be a great challenge. With 30 people, $7,000, a piece of property, and no financing, this was going to require faith. We were determined to make God's job easier by planning a facility constructed with inexpensive materials. God had other plans. We would soon learn that God was not a pauper. The first miracle came not in the form of cash, but in donated architectural services. After that, unsolicited funds and labor came from diverse sources to provide for specific needs such as excavation, concrete work, and framing of the building. With the outer walls framed, we were ready for siding. Plans called for exterior plywood, but we had no means to purchase it. That's when I was introduced. To Phil Smith. He had called to say he heard we were building a church and he wondered if he could help. Specifically, he had a concept for cedar siding he wanted to market but needed a showcase to demonstrate it to the public. Quote, Can I use your building for a model if I donate the cedar? I'll be happy to install it also if you'll help. End quote. It didn't take long to decide. Yes. We had never considered cedar because of its high price tag. Part of the deal was that we would provide weekend help at his small mill. So Saturday by Saturday, a small group of laborers from the church assisted Phil with the manufacture of siding. When the operation moved to our building site, we continued assisting him in the installation. All of this took time, lots of time. Faith and patience were being worked out in our hearts. 
In addition to the lap siding, Phil donated beautiful old-growth tongue-and-groove cedar for the platform walls and some exterior applications between upper and lower floor windows. Timber lovers would have been in awe of the 16-foot by 16-inch beams made of old-growth cedar. The main staircase was also made from similar timbers. The building fit into its western organ setting beautifully. We were rejoicing at this awesome provision. Its dollar value would have been quite high, and so it hadn't even been on our shopping list. Not everyone rejoiced with us, however. As I worked outside one day, a neighboring pastor stopped by in his car to address me. Quote, How can you waste God's money like that, he said. Red-faced with anger, he continued to rail on me. It was obvious his red face was connected to a green heart. I shared with him how God had provided the cedar, but he only scoffed in unbelief. Now, I'm happy to say, after two years, he acknowledged God's hand on our project, and we began having meals and fellowship between our churches from then on. But I drove out to Phil's mill later that day, and before I could share my downer of a story, he said, quote, You know, I was reading in my Bible today about Solomon's temple. God sure liked cedar, I think, end quote. The sting of criticism left with those words. The cedar connection with Phil led to other volunteer provisions, from his carpentry skill to the use of his loader in his dump truck. When more framing materials were needed, we again went to his mill and worked right alongside him. The green timber we produced was then taken to a large commercial mill in exchange for kiln-dried lumber suitable for immediate use. Phil's heart for the work of God was evident. It was his ministry, he said. Eventually, Phil became part of the church and sometime later, a valued board member. Story number two, drive-by blessing. With the help of a professional carpenter, we had fashioned two cedar doors for the church's main entrance. It was when we tried to find the hardware that we realized we had a problem. The door was too heavy for any hardware we could find locally. Besides, the cedar doors and the siding called for something aesthetically comparable. Before we even prayed, God provided a solution. An iron worker driving by stopped his car and approached us in the open doorway. Quote, I noticed the doors you're building. What are you going to hang them with? End quote. We explained our dilemma, feeling a bit foolish for not thinking far enough ahead. Then he said, quote, I'm a Roman Catholic and don't go to your church, but I'd like to build you what you need. End quote. A few days later, the gentleman returned with his creation. It far exceeded our expectations. It included large leaf-style hinges, three per door, and rugged decorative handles. These complemented the rustic construction beautifully. We couldn't imagine what the price would have been, but God had given it to us, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. Story number three, Mr. Copper. With the concrete foundation of our new sanctuary now poured, we needed six 36-foot laminated wood beams to span it. We also needed funds to purchase the beams. Any beams would have come from Seattle, 125 miles away. 
So a church board member and myself decided to go directly to a factory there to see how much money we would need to purchase them. It was not our habit to ask for special favors from businesses. Instead, we trusted God to either move someone to give us a great deal or provide sufficient funds. Parked in the lot of a laminated beam factory, we prayed for favor. As we walked through the parking lot towards the office, a man taking a smoking break stopped us. What are you men doing here? He asked. We explained our purpose, and he said, follow me. We did, and we were surprised to find ourselves sitting in the company president's office. His office. The man we'd met was none other than the company's owner and president, Mr. Copper. Tell me again exactly what you need, he said. We gave him the specifics, and he said, they'll be at your site next week. Of course, we asked how much money we'd need to come up with. Don't worry about that. They're yours. I'll have them shipped there by truck next week, no charge. And Mr. Copper kept his word. His parting words to us were, quote, It's a good thing you ran into me in the parking lot. My people in the office would never have let you get to me. God's ways are awesome. Sometimes his ways involve amazingly orchestrated coincidences. As I've read through these and several other stories, I'm moved by the faith, a literal walk of faith, a journey of faith. I'm moved by the fact that so many people took action in so many situations without absolute certainty, just a trust, a faith that God would provide. I remember my dad once saying that the miracles began to happen when the money ran out. Whatever that next item was that they needed, that's when the miracles would happen. There was no fenced-in landing zone where all the materials were secured and stored for months on end during the building project. No, they came in as needed. It's not how most building projects go, but it's how the Lord led this group of people, and the church was built debt-free. I'm about to take a major left turn for a moment, so hang with me here. When I was at the University of Montana, I had a guy make a statement, one of the most profound yet simplistic statements I think I've ever heard. Basically just went like this. Walking is just controlled falling. Let that sink in for a minute. You don't stretch your right leg forward to find solid ground, and when it finds solid ground, then push your weight up on top of that leg and then repeat with the left where you stretch it out until you find solid ground and then move your weight forward to that. Can you see that in your mind's eye of how obnoxious that looks? No, what we do is we lean forward a little, get a little off balance, get our weight moving forward, and then we throw out a foot in front of us, catching our weight, keeping us from falling. And we repeat this with the other leg and foot. And what we've done is we've controlled our fall. We've walked, and this process looks normal to us, not the obnoxious process of testing out every step ahead of time, which is incredibly inefficient. But that's how the world is when it comes to building projects. Everybody wants every detail beforehand so there are no surprises. Even Jesus uses the phrase, quote, consider the cost of building a tower. But there are those times when God takes you by the hand and says, trust me, every step of the way, 
lean forward, take a step. Every step of the way like Abraham and Moses. Trust me when you don't have all the answers like Noah. Trust me when everyone else challenges your convictions like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In our educated culture, we've learned to wisely plan, but I fear that we've failed to simply trust, to simply walk, to simply fall forward in faith, trusting God's Word, His character, His promises to be the sure footing our feet land upon in faith. As a guy from the University of Montana would have said, it's controlled falling. And that's exactly what the church in Rainier did, leaning forward, trusting God for the sure footing of his provision in the process. I hope these three stories ignite your faith. I hope it builds it up. I can promise you this. These aren't three stories I came across that had this message. These are three stories I selected out of many that share this common theme of radical trust on a group level in a God who has proven himself faithful time and time again. As this episode comes to a close, I pray that your faith is invigorated and that your commitment to controlled falling is reaffirmed. I'm Nate Vidio, and this has been Something to Gnaw On.